The partial solar eclipse this week got me nostalgic for the big eclipse back in 2017. We have some really great photos of the watch party here at the church. And there's one with two adorable children looking up at the sun, wearing those square cardboard safety glasses. And it was perfect for that year's stewardship campaign with the slogan, the future is bright. I may or may not have peaked that year as the stewardship campaign person. Anyway, I was reminded this week of another lesser-known star event that happened around the same time. A collision of two neutron stars made the news. Some of you may remember the so-called Kilanova, which happened just a cool 130 million years ago. It unleashed an explosion that rippled space-time and splattered the cosmos with a cocktail of heavy metals. Apparently, it takes a hot cloud of star debris to create gold. If you're wearing any gold or platinum jewelry right now, that's how it got here. Astronomers had detected new evidence of such an explosion through gravitational waves which registered on an electromagnetic spectrum. The science is impressive, of course, but so are the theological implications. I can't help but think that God created the so-called vast expanse of interstellar space for the sport of it. I bet it absolutely delights God when we stare up at an eclipse with our safety glasses or when two neuron star, neutron stars collide and create such a magnificent show. Now, in the news cycle that followed the discovery, a physicist was interviewed who explained that the gravitational waves produced by the collision are actual distortions in the shape of space. Those distortions vibrate in the same frequency as human hearing. So if you were standing close enough to the collision, they would rhythmically compress the hair cells in your inner ear, causing neurons to fire, and your brain would interpret this information as sound. So you would hear the collision even in the vacuum of space. The physicist marveled at what a beautiful thing that would be. Then he paused and said, Well, if you were close enough for your ears to pick up the waves, you would also be close enough for them to shred the protein chains in your body. He paused again. Still, it would be an incredible thing to hear. (laughs) Now, for a brief instant, the physicist stepped out of the realm of observable science in the interview right into the realm of wonder. Now, not to project too much emotion onto the creator of the heavens and the earth, but I wonder if God would be disappointed if we didn't stop and wonder at it all from time to time. How quickly we get wrapped up in the new cycle here on earth, especially in a week like this when there is so much tragedy in the headlines. Wars and human struggles for survival leave little room for wonder. And I'm 
Pretty sure it felt that way to the Israelites as they wandered in the desert. Limited resources and an insecure future were overwhelming. Moses often had to go to God and negotiate on their behalf to secure God's favor under harsh desert conditions. And in today's lesson, Moses wanted to make sure that God would go with the Israelites when they left Sinai, kind of like an insurance policy. So Moses pleaded his case in a straightforward, look, you've got to go with us. And God said, all right, sealing the deal that Israel would be God's chosen and the presence of the Lord would go with them. The terms of the contract were clarified. But then a very strange thing happened. Moses said, show me your glory, I pray. And in that moment, what had been a careful contract negotiation turned into something else, something perhaps closer to a courtship. Show me your glory is the request of a lover, not a negotiator. Moses suddenly asked to be shown more of God, as much as he could handle. There was nothing useful or helpful about this request. True love never is pragmatic or contract-based. It's about wanting to know the essence of another, or the sole purpose of being in the presence of another's glory. Moses was starting to fall in love. Imagining some delight on God's part, God granted the request. First, God's goodness passed before Moses, and then God came up with a way to show some of God's glory, since the full dose, including seeing God's face, would have been lethal for Moses. So God placed Moses in the cleft of a rock and covered him with a divine hand as God passed by so that Moses could see the back of God and survive the encounter. And yes, this is the moment when grown-up graduate students in Old Testament turn into middle schoolers and snicker about God's backside. (laughs) Which I think is also appropriate for the unfolding of a love story. How can we not feel a little bit awkward at newfound intimacy? With God. A love story began that day in the cleft of the rock. It's a love story that continued to unfold for generations, and then Jesus entered that story with a heart open that the world, more open than the world had ever seen. Like God on Mount Sinai years before, Jesus freely offered his own glory and how he loved humans in their struggles and in what would become a complete self-gift on the cross. His teachings remind us to offer ourselves like that, too. He once said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Now, we could hear this commandment as something like, Be a good person, be good to your neighbor, act ethically in the world, and show deference to God. But the spiritual life cannot be reduced to good behavior or fulfilling our end of a contract. It's about love, 
about giving something of ourselves away so that we might experience the glory of another, of God and our neighbor. When we do, I believe God is quick to meet us there, offering us as much of God's glory as we can handle. If you need a love story these days, or a bit of wonder, you've come to the right place. This is a place for love. When things are difficult, when humans are at war, and when glory seems especially thin on the ground, we come here to be uplifted and to be reminded of a love story at the heart of this cosmic adventure. Here we can learn to see more of God's glory and more of one another's glory as brothers and sisters in Christ. We're told that Moses' face would shine after he talked with God, as if he were coated with the residue of the glory he encountered. Maybe there's a connection. The brilliance of his face, the light in one another's faces, the gold exploding into space after the collision of neutron stars, all connected through the glory of God. Perhaps we could try praying like Moses, asking to know God more fully in order to see more of that brilliance. Lord, show us your glory, we pray. I trust that when we do, our faces will shine with some of that residual glory, a light that you and I can take into the world. Amen.